Hi there, folks. Welcome back to. Uh, I don't welcome back enough. It's part two of uh, this in my life uh, special, I suppose we, we could call this. Um, there's just myself here, Andy Wales, and of course Dave Karen. Uh, we're on football songs now. I've had my go, and that's why I say welcome back because. If you were... Uh, you took all the good ones, you... <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to it. You, you took my line away from me, yeah. Yeah, if, if you if you stuck with me and you, you bore with it, yeah. I took lots of really, really good ones, I did. And I picked out some pretty terrible ones too, I must say. I'm fortunate enough that, having looked at your long list of negatives, <laughs> I, I certainly <laughs> wasn't able to, uh, to rival that. But, uh, yeah... You don't have as many positives for us here. No, no, the positives. You're you're the sort of sixty forty split, and and that, that's actually quite good considering um, that I was able to pick four that I actually identify with uh, as as decent sort of iconic football songs. One of them in particular that we will get to, and actually will be our finale. Uh, not to, to give it away, but our finale is rather rather special. And I wish I'd had it myself, but I'm, I'm glad you've got that one. But instead, we'll we'll start on the positive, as we like, before we indulge ourselves. Uh, your first one is uh, this little ditty. Now, Dave, that's Ali's Tartanabi, the Scotland 78 World Cup song. Why that one? Well, you see, well, you're going to have to actually listen to another line of this song to actually get it. Just, just, just listen to this a minute. Okay, so at that time in 78, Scotland were the only home nation that actually went to the World Cup. So therefore, this was the only World Cup song that we were sort of <laughs> had to endure. You know, all Celts alike, I was totally behind Scotland. It was my first World Cup. It was where I fell in love with the World Cup. And so as I've said, God, a pound for every time I've said that in this, uh, this podcast, be a rich man. And this one has endured time. It's so much fun. I'll tell you a story, Andy. Well, was, you know, obviously, we've been researching these all week, and I was out on Friday there with the neighbours and had the computer with me, and I was showing them Ali's Tartan Army, and I was translating it for them. I know, we're, we'll really shake them up when they win the World Cup, you know. And they're like, Scotia? Scotland? Yeah. Are they serious? You've got to, you know, you've got, you've got to get into the British mindset. Yeah. It's, it's like, are, are they serious? Can, can they be serious? They were, they were going to win in 1978. I think it's, it's the British condition of being able to laugh at yourself and over, over expectations of, of everything. And, and this one, as I say, Andy, it, it just endures in time. And there's a bit of humour in it. It's that sort of, you know, it's that, it's that wit that, that carries it through even to this day. And it's, it's dreadfully, dreadfully, dreadfully catchy. Well, when we came, up, we came along and started doing these, this was the first thing that jumped into my mind. And maybe it was the age I was 
sad at the time. I found amusement in it as well. But even like what all these years later, it, it still endures for me. It's, it's just it's just one of those songs when I think when people say to me a football song, it's the first one that jumps into my head. I, I'm like I don't have a great affinity with Scotland. I did for that particular World Cup. Since then, I haven't, you know, and, and certainly that team of 78 had Hansen and Sunis and, and Daglish. They were so easily uh, for me to support, um, having just sort of tagged on to, to, to Liverpool at that time and you know, winning the, the European Cup and everything. And then to see these guys go to a World Cup, which, which you know, back then the European Cup was one thing, but, but it was like very much the South American mentality of today. The World Cup was pinnacle. It was the best of the best. It was, it was where you saw players who you only got to see every four years. Um, you know, without the, the the saturation of media and so on, so so this one's pretty special for me. The whole British and Irish thing of self-deprecating humour—it it works so well, and, and that's the thing with this is it works and it is fun because it's delivered as fun and it's taken as fun. It doesn't take itself seriously. You know, it's, it's the greatest line. You know, England can't do it because they didn't qualify. Like, come on, like, where is there a line anywhere? Like that, 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 that fucking page. That, like, that, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> and that's it. There's, there's a tinge of humour there. It's not to be taken too seriously. Now, moving into your first negative, this, however, is done with all seriousness. Yes, that, that's, that, that is an atrocity. That is the official 1982 Northern Ireland World Cup, uh, World Cup squad song. And my God, you know, yes, we are a small nation. Yes, we don't have that many talented people. But even in 1982, can, are you going to tell me that we didn't have anything more talented than that? Like, seriously? <laughs> and, and, and again, this one, but, you know, th- this was a weird one because the expectation levels were like, it, it was like... Just going to score a few goals. The next moment we're going to score a lot of goals. Then we're going to show the world that the expectations on this one's like a rubber ball bouncing all over a room. And you know, when you take the song in its totality, it's actually just complete and utter bollocks. I've got to say, Dave, even the title, your man. Ah, oh, oh, but that's a Northern Ireland thing, you know. And it, and it was actually meant to have been. It was actually meant to be worse than that at the time. It, they they made it man. It was meant to be your man, M O N, because that's the way that you know the talk back home. And, oh, you know, so be thankful for, for that tiny little bit of, of ground that it gained back by being your man. Uh, oh, oh, it's, it's just, it's a badge of shame. Considering what we did in that World Cup, it is a, it's, it's, it's even more of an atrocity. I, I, can I tell you what this kind of reminds me of? The title, the song, it takes me back to that Eurovision episode of Father Ted. Yes, to a degree, with 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 extra cheese, Andy, with just with that extra slice of cheese on top. Yeah, that kind of like, oh my god, you know, it's so bad, you have to laugh. Oh, so now your next uh, negative. I don't know, is is this meant to be a digger England fan? I mean, just just have a listen to this.
back up the England World Cup from 1970. This is an iconic piece of music, isn't it, Dave? If you're a fan of fantasy football league, yes, because they managed to take the lyrics out of it, which made it totally acceptable. But when you add the lyrics into it, it's just synonymous of the times, Andy, you know, and it's one of those, you know, with every year that goes by, the cringe levels of it just go go up. It's creepy. It's awful. It's, it should be consigned to the dustbin of history forever. It should be removed from YouTube. It should be wiped from the annals of history. And, you know, th- this was, like, to add insult to injury to the whole thing, you were fucking world champions at the time when you recorded it. And, you know, the look and the faces and the stupid haircuts and the sideburns and, oh, oh, it is, it's, it's just, oh, it's intolerable. <laughs> I was, of course, playing devil's advocate because this, this actually is a song that kind of reminds me of almost every single FA Cup final team song that I hate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's just synonymous of the times. It's synonymous of that that crap that we're we're talking about throughout this pod. You know that that endless conveyor belt of shit music that, that was associated with football during, especially the seventies and the eighties. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It, some of it just it was as though it tried to take itself a little bit too seriously, and and that's what I like. I like a good football song. If you're going to have a team singing a song, or you're going to sing for a team. Yeah, not take it not to take it too seriously. It just kind of resonates more. And this this one we've got right here, which is gonna be your next positive, I think does exactly that. Oh my eyes have seen the glory of Espania 82. When little Northern Ireland showed the world what we could do. Now Laurie is our leader and we're coming after you. And that is why we sing. We're not Brazil, we're Northern Ireland. Uh, obviously, I can see the connection there for you, but having listened to that, I, I just see the humour. I see it's fun, it's light-hearted, and I and I just I like it. It's 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 the kind of thing that, as a football fan, you you can take you take it for what it is rather than what we've just been talking about. Again, it's that small nation mentality, really, Andy, isn't it? You know, we're, we're not Brazil, we're Northern Ireland, but you, you come to Windsor Park. <clears throat> You know, you're in for a tough time. And, you know, this verse, and there's another verse in here as well. You know, bad enough we've taken a pop at, at England there. But there's another little verse here, just just very quickly. We meet the Turks, Italians, and the mighty Germans too. The French, the Dutch, our southern friends all know what we can do. And if you know our history, you know it could be you. And that is why we sing. We're not. You know, and, and that outlines what what it means to support Northern Ireland, beating the Germans, the Turks, the Spanish, the English. You know, all comers that come to to Windsor Park get a game. Uh, they get a game, probably not befitting of, of the status of football team that, that that they're coming to play in Northern Ireland. And then there's that that little bit of wit behind it, and a very passionate crowd that love to sing this song. And it, it, it's it's just perfect. And and the actual recordings of those are done mostly by Jackie Fullerton, who is a legend in Northern Ireland of commentary. He is the Northern Ireland Motty, if you will. Um, he retired in the, in the last couple of years. A terribly, terribly nice man. But for years and years and years, he was the voice of Northern Ireland football. 
and and fittingly, you know, he he was invited to do this song as well. But I say every Northern Ireland game, you'll hear that on and uh, and you know on the cop and in Windsor Park and whatnot. And it's a bit like Ali's Tartan Army. There's that little cheeky bit of humour in there, you know. Yeah. You know, we're not Brazil, we're Northern Ireland, but just just watch your back, like. <laughs> I like that's what I like. I like that bit of wit and that bit of humour to it. And like you say, look, it's not it's not getting carried away and spouting absolute nonsense. It's just you know what you see is what you get, and that that's I guess that's that's Northern Ireland, isn't it? Well, so, no, it was only that simple. What you see is never what you get. The football team, I think, at the minute, especially you know, on the back of the Euros and the back of this qualification campaign uh, for the World Cup as well. You know, that that team can have a massive effect on on the well-being and the mental well-being of of the people in the country. And these songs, and you know, like we we have a lot of really really good songs as a national team. You know, I know we stole it from United, but I don't give a shit. Uh, George Best is ours, and the, the the George Best Spirit in the Sky thing, as well as very good. We had the Will Griggs song in 2016. We are sort of synonymous, you know, a bit a bit of wit, applying a bit of wit to music to to make football songs for ourselves. Yeah, wit, humour, drink, sing, have a good time. That's what it should be about. Yeah, when the die and they lay me to rest, I'm gonna go in the piss with Georgie Best. Like, come on, it's it's, it's just us, like. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, that's that's fantastic. Uh, you know, you t- you tell me as an Englishman, Andy, does that does d- does that have more sort of identification with the Northern Ireland team or Manchester United? Because I-, I think the Northern Ireland team deserve it a lot more. Uh, I've got to say, yeah, because Manchester United, it, that that was a club he was at for so long, and then he moved on, and and to a certain amount of the fans, there probably there'll be a fair amount of their fans nowadays won't even know who he was. But for Northern Ireland fans, he is still an absolute legend. So, yeah, I can see the association stronger with Northern Ireland. Without a doubt. And, I, and he was, to be honest with you, he was no, he was no angel. And, 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 you know, in death, I think his, his legacy is probably more popular than what he was. You know, he had, like, honestly, the guy had real problems with alcohol and he could be a real pain in the ass at times, especially whenever he came home. Northern Ireland used to fall in and love, in and out of love with the guy. But in death, certainly his legacy is, is is a lot more positive, I think, than it was during his life, sadly. Yes. Uh, probably best we leave that one there for now, anyway. Let's get back onto your negatives. And this one, we'll have a listen to this, and then, Dave, you can pronounce it, because I'm not even going to try. Okay, so what you've just, your ears have just been assaulted by, probably, it's, it's the Latin version of, uh, of a football song, and, and this is uh, Brazilian television's go-to song for the international team, doesn't matter, in fact, in fact, even for the league, for everything, it's the go-to song, um, you know, where, where the British model was, we did a new one every year, this song is called Coração uh, Vergian Amarelo, uh, which means uh, a green and yellow heart. And it's sort of just, it, it's polished up a little bit year on year, but you hear that music on television, you know football's coming. 
you know, for a TV channel to have a monopoly on a song like that. And, you know, pre-pod, I explained to you, we, we've been at one of the games during the World Cup in 2014. We stopped to watch the, the, the Brazil game on the beach in, in a little town called Canoa Cabrada. And there was a band playing. There was a samba band playing the whole afternoon before the game. This is the song that they played. Everybody sings along with it. We talk about you know, identifying maybe, you know, football's coming home for, for the England fans. Brazilian fans seem to really, really identify this. And not even just football fans, because when Brazil play, it doesn't matter whether you're a football fan or not, you're completely invested in it. And everybody's singing this song, and you're like, but this is like, this is like the fucking generation game. This is like the 70s. This is like awful. This is, how can this be popular here? It's a steaming pile of horse crap. Yes, well, that's that's putting it mildly. You had your one with the Germans, my, my Brazilian version, and they are quite Brazilian people are quite inventive and they're quite clever, and sometimes they can they can play in words very well. But this is just this is just oh, it's just awful. It, it's the only way you know. This is this is the country that brought us the beautiful game, Jogo Benito, and 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 this is their contribution to the music of it. It's like what the piece of music that I identify with Brazil. Certainly wasn't this, you know. <laughs> and Masconada is, is like, you think, I, I just think Brazil, and it kind of epitomizes everything about Brazil. I hear this and I think of some cheesy game show from the 80s or the 90s. Exactly. Ex- but, 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 you know, like Bruce Forsyth died this week, and, you know, his legacy will live on in Brazil forever because they're still at generation game levels of, of Saturday evening and Sunday evening entertainment. It is, they are doing now what Bruce Forsyth was doing in the 70s. And this music is is sort of, it identifies with all of that. And and it's almost like, it's the Brazilian way. There's more to worry about in life than writing a song for a football game. You know, like sunshine and outside, there's things to do. And, you know, nobody gets hung up on that too much. You know, they're not sitting at home with a fucking... And the year before that, and the year yeah, that, and the year and before. The year before I'll tell you what. And all the yeah. years before that as well, yeah. I don't think all the brain power that it saves you, you don't have to invent something new. You just keep churning out the same bollocks year after year. Look, I'm here seven years, and this that fucking music is ingrained into me. I know what I hear. It's like I'm like a robot walking to the television. Football, football. <laughs> it has that effect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, it's true. Change channel, change channel, change channel. And, and you know, okay, yes, the, the the newer version is a lot more sort of polished for the, but it's the same fucking music. You know, the, the instruments maybe have changed a little bit. But I think the particular one that I've used for this one is the 1994 World Cup version of it. But as I say, the the modern day version, just a little bit faster, a little bit more polished, sounds a little bit better on it. But it's exactly the same thing, repolished, rebranded, and thrown out. I mean, so you talk about the you know, identifying as a nation, identifying with a piece of music. Your next negative kind of catches me you'll, you'll have to explain this because you listen to this and you'll instantly know this song Sweet Caroline So Dave, Sweet Caroline, Neil Diamond, 
please explain how uh, a Northern Ireland crowd identifies with that song? I wish I knew, Andy. It, it's almost like, you know, we still have God Save the Queen. For whatever reason, I cannot explain to you. Um, we still have God Save the Queen as our national anthem. And it's, you know, and especially comes particularly stupid when we play England. You know what I mean? It's like, what, well, do we play it twice? We just play it once. And, and this, I always feel, is like the, the sort of unofficial national anthem of Northern Ireland. And it doesn't matter. You know, you can be in a bar in Northern Ireland. You can have fucking octogenarians sitting down. Play Sweet Caroline. Everybody's up. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I cannot explain it all of my life. I'm 51 years old. And that song, just for whatever reason, has an identity in Northern Ireland. And, you know, I, I follow the rugby. I follow Ulster rugby. You know, I follow the national team there. And that song for both those set of fans, you know, you go on the road, you go on, on, you do away games. And that is all you hear is Sweet Caroline. And it's been going on for, for, I don't know how long. Probably since the bloody, the bloody song was written by Neil Diamond. It's always been there throughout my life. It's something that, that I can always identify with that people from Northern Ireland go fucking ballistic the minute you play it. <laughs> <laughs> it's some kind of subliminal ju- uh, subliminal drug with the Northern Ireland when you hear this song. Then I don't know. You know, people in Northern Ireland. There used to be like in the seventies, eighties. Everybody was like, "Keep it country," you know. Everybody wanted love country music, and then, but this still was even in that time. You know, when country was was massive, and uh, you know, Sweet Caroline was just was just this music. I said my my parents owned pubs in, in Northern Ireland when I was a kid, and and this is where I was exposed to it first of all. You know, all the bands that used to play in, in, in the bar and all my dad's bars, you would all play Sweet Caroline and everybody used to get up and go fucking ballistic like to this music. And, and then, uh, you know, as you start to notice it's, it's in, it's in, you know, all the sporting branches that you, you, you look at throughout Northern Ireland. Everybody sings Sweet Caroline. It's something that, that we identify with. But if, if, if there's somebody out there who knows anybody from Northern Ireland listening to this, who can enlighten me why it is so popular, why it is so, such a, such importance to people from Northern Ireland. Please tell me. Um, I just accept it as a given, Andy. You know, it's one of those things. That's sweet, Caroline. You just, this is what we do. Uh, and you go ahead and do it. But I've no idea why. Uh, just well, watching that video on, on YouTube of the crowd actually singing it, the Northern Ireland crowd. And there's not one that's not. Uh, do you notice that? <laughs> no, yeah. It just, uh, yeah, absolutely in unison. But it's the the veracity and everything. No, like you said, bang into it. You know, it's like this is not like slowly getting into it. People are having a drink. You know, we're, you know, bit by bit, we're getting on the dance floor. This is like bang, three seconds in, wolf on is, their feet. We're going, yes. fist, they're going, yeah. But it's not cool. That music is not and never has been what you would class it. That's a cool song to get. You know, that's a that's good something good to be identified with. <laughs> not at all. Not in any way. Like it's like what. Why this song? And, and I, said, I just wish I knew. It's like folklore or something. I can't, I can't explain it. But why are you negative, though? Because I can't explain it. It just <laughs> fucking fries me. That, but just that amusement of what honestly, the hell it is. Honestly, if, 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 if you pin me down and said to me today, you know, do, do you like Sweet Caroline? Yes or no? I can't say yes. That's what it has to be. In but put me, put four or five beers into me, maybe 10, 15 beers into me. Put me in a crowd and start swing, singing "Sweet Caroline." I fucking love it, and and and, and again, then I hate <laughs> myself the next morning for singing it. It's, it's one of those horrible things in life. 
Oh. Uh, well, moving moving back over to to the positive side of things, then uh, this next next uh, track, I, I know it is something else, but uh, anyway, here I've listened to this. Talk to me, Dave. Wonderwall, but not Oasis. No, it's, it's it's certainly not Oasis. It is the fans of San Lorenzo in uh, in Argentina, who it's a club that over this last sort of four or five months that I have just absolutely fallen in love with the set of fans. Um, they've been playing the couple of Adoras down here, and they have a band there. Uh, it's, and you know, it, look, I I. I would follow them as my South American team, to be honest with you. Uh, at the minute, they're they're growing on me day by day. But they do all these different kinds of, of versions of, of popular music. Um, they, they've got they even they've even covered Despacito down here. Uh, <laughs> they have their own version of that, and and you know they adapt it to their own lyrics and whatnot. You know, pretty much what we were talking about in part one. But again, it's that little bit of wit involved, and beyond the wit. There's just a passion about it, you know. When you when you read the words and you and you understand what these guys are saying, it's all about you know being born into this tradition of of supporting San Lorenzo. It's in your blood. It's in your family. It's genetic. It's in your very DNA, and they take pride in it. Uh, you know, this particular uh, the band that played there, the you know for for one hour before a game, Andy, you'll find them underneath the main stand with a crowd around them, and they play music there, and then they march in. Uh, with with their neighborhood banner in, into the packed end. If, if, there, there's a lot of videos there on YouTube that you can find uh, on San Lorenzo, along with a lot of Argentinian football. And it is, it's a different world, Andy. It is a different, different world. Uh, number one, you know, I, I call them a positive. It's not the greatest piece of music you'll ever hear, but the invention of it, what it means to them, um, the passion of those fans and, and the level that they support their team and, and so on. Argentina is a different world for football. Um, it, it's, you know, we, we spoke basically, uh, I did it my in my life when I talked about the old times and standing on terraces and, and how much more you can support your team when you're standing. Well, it's not just standing, uh, you know, you're standing on top of each other here and you're bouncing up and down and you're, you're running around or bouncing around in groups with your arms linked together and, and it's just bananas, it's bonkers. And this band, it's a brass, and you talk about that England band. Like I'm talking about a proper band here. You know, these, these guys are fucking brilliant. They're inventive. They're novel. It's not the same three songs round and round in circles. You know, they have a whole repertoire of songs that they have adapted and so on. And, the, and it's the invention of them and, and the creativity of these people that, that really have, have them as a positive for me. Yeah. Would you say that kind of, this music just kind of encapsulates that whole, that whole scene? It, it, it sort of encapsulates the South American condition, really. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, you're meant to smile when you hear it. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's what football's meant to be down here. 
you know, did you smile when you listened to Back Home? Did you smile when you listened to the Arsenal song? No, you wanted to stick fucking knitting, knitting needles in your ear. Um, you know, at least you can see, you can see what they're trying to do here. As I say, it's not it's not a musical masterpiece, but but the invention of it, the tongue in cheek of it, and you know, just using music to to adapt to to support their team, and that's what it's all about. These are songs that they're adapting to sing on the terraces, to sing their heart out, to sing with their full passion, and you can't, you just can't deny it. No, you, you certainly can't. Uh, and well, you you mentioned there musical masterpieces. We've got to move back into the negative. Uh, and this next one um, <laughs> from from Chaz and Dave, uh, musical masterpiece, it most certainly is not. So it's officially called Aussie's Dream. And Dave, I'll, I'll let you wax lyrical about that one. Oh, it's a, it's a masterpiece. And in it, Gav? <laughs> I'm like, you know, of all, of all places, Spurs are singing about going to fucking Wembley. Well, today showed us why they shouldn't. <laughs> Between last season and today, I think if I was going to Wembley as a Spurs fan, I'd be shitting myself. But that, that's maybe another story. Uh, <laughs> their knees are going trembly. Yeah. Spurs are going to Wembley. Their knees have gone all trembly. <laughs> oh dear! Such, pr- such it's all about timing in this game, Andy, isn't it? Really. <laughs> but this song was for, <laughs> for, for the eighty-one uh, FA Cup final, which ended up being one of probably the longest FA Cup finals in history. In fact, I think we're still playing a month later um, between Man City and them. And it just back in the days where you know you had the game, you had extra time, you had a replay. You'd the game, you'd extra time, you'd a replay. You'd the game, you'd extra time, and there's no thought of penalties, nothing. So basically, I, I forget how many replays there were. There was, a, I think it was three games in all. Maybe there was maybe four, um, but it just seemed like this protracted FA Cup final that never stopped, uh, and and with two teams who didn't want to win it, but yet Tottenham had this very upbeat, you know, hello, governor, uh, you know. <laughs> Let's all have a knees up sort of thing with Chaz and Dave around the piano. And, and it contained possibly, you know, it, it, like, I, I feel so sorry for Ozzy Adelis, who, you know, who came across, he, he was, him and Ricky Villa coming to Tottenham at the time were a bit of a coup for, for, for the English league. Number one, it was, you know, there was the war with Argentina that went on over the Falklands as well. So to have them coming to England at the time was, it was a pretty big deal. And, you know, it was always Ardelis' dream to play at Wembley. And we knew that long before he actually got there. And then when they did manage to get there, they made him do this, Andy. Now, 
I have a soft spot for Ozzy Arcadis. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you can't do that, the wee man. Surely you can't. Like, <laughs> he was probably sick of playing at Wembley by the time they finished the FA Cup. <laughs> yeah, well, he got more than a fucking dream. It turned into Ozzy's fucking nightmare. And little did they know that it was going to be Spurs' nightmare by come 2017. <laughs> <laughs> it was my dream. And then you sing me this crap. Well, to be fair to them, they did eventually, and I do stress the word, eventually win the cup uh, yeah. for Aussie. But as I say, look, this is this is probably the best of a bad bunch of, of FA Cup songs. I don't want to be too hard on it. It's just wrong. Aussie Ardales is a legend. You don't do that to legends. Can you imagine doing that to Lionel Messi or something like that today? Like, you'd be strung up. It was the FA Cup final with that legendary Ricky Villa goal. Um, but yeah, the, the not-so-legendary song. So we'll we'll go on to your last negative, Dave, and <laughs> let everyone get a bit of a listen to this. Was the master of confusion Was the footballer's son And if God needs a hero From our Belfast town Bill Georgia turf pitch where a free man can run World Cup's had a news Still missing a son And best at his leisure Right, uh, Dave, you're going to have to help me out on this. If, God, if, can. Needs, <laughs> if God needs a hero, it's the ballad of George Best from, yes. I believe, was it from all the way from Dublin? It was, I think it was one of the Fury brothers that actually wrote that. You know, it's like, if God needed a hero, he looked to an alcoholic. Now, there's, there's, a, there's, there's maybe the first issue that I have with that, you know. We can remember a, a lot of good things about George Best of his time today. You know, I, I have my opinion, he's in, he's in your top three. He is in your top three in the world ever of legends. Forget your Messi's, forget your Ronaldo's, forget the athletes, forget whatever. George Best was doing it on fueled on fucking vodka, and you know, same with Maradona. He was doing it fueled on every substance known to man. Uh, but you know, ultimately, I, I I find this song horrible, absolutely horrible. I find it very very strange that you know somebody from somebody from the south would would sing about George Best. There's another George Best song in there as well, the Belfast Boy, and again, off their times, they are they're, they're atrocities, they are disgraces. Honestly, Best was probably the first football superstar, um, you know, of, of certainly a media darling, um, as we know them today. Um, he was the first one who had his life examined and so on. And it, 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 had, its, it had its effects on him. There's no two ways about it. And, and not to his credit, it may be said. The world wasn't ready for George Best. To George Best today, who would be managed properly and, and have a proper career, you know, that's why I couldn't put Messi or the Ronaldos in this world in the same bracket as him because he was, he was on a different planet. You know, back then people could tackle you as well. Like, I'm not just tackling you, you could assault you in the tackle. And, and he, they rode those, you, you know what I mean? And, and those boys of that time, of the 70s and 80s, they rode those tackles. They never fell down, looked for a card or anything like that. They carried on. The best way to, 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 to get revenge on you was to put the ball in the net. Um, it's the mentality that's been lost in football today. But, Again, when when you hear these songs about old footballers and whatnot, they they just become it, it's so tired. It really is so tired. And if that is if that's meant to be a reflection of what George Best brought brought to football, and even the other song, the Belfast Boy, if that's meant to be a reflection of what 
George Best brought the football. Oh, it, it just ugh, just does me in. Like I've got to say, as much as anything, you know, for all of that, that if God needs a hero, Jesus Christ, it's just such a dreary sounding tune. Yeah, it's, it's like music to top yourself to, you know? It's like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Where are you going, dear? I'm just taking the gun into the closet here, dear. I'll be back. Well, I won't be back, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus. God, it's so dreary. It's awful. It, it's just awful. I can't imagine why you would actually want to willingly listen to that. Or, or what would actually drive you to write it? Like, 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 it reads like a suicide note for fuck's sake. <laughs> hey, I don't know. Well, we'll finish off on a positive. And as as alluded to earlier on, you know, look, we we've saved the best to last, in my view, with your with your positives because this is a bit special. It really is a bit special. And I'm not into opera or anything like that, but this. This piece of music instantly takes me back to Italia 90. So, obviously, yes, here it is, Ness and Dorma. So Dave talked to me, Ness and Dorma just transcends everything really, doesn't it? I, I, I dare say there's people who actually started listening to operatic music off the back of this tournament. Yeah, and exactly, exactly, Andy. And, and as you said, you alluded to it in your part, um, the official song of the 1990 World Cup was an absolute mess, and this came to the rescue. And and you know what? Thank God it did. Because for me, Italia 90 is up there in, in probably my top three World Cups of all time, of my lifetime anyway. And this music is just synonymous with it. It just, it just, it was the perfect fit. It was the hand and glove music for it. And, and as you say, maybe a lot of football fans would not be opera fans, but th- this prickled the emotions. This, this, I don't know what kind of an effect. I'm speaking, maybe even, People who didn't follow football were dragged to that World Cup on the back of that. All the networks jumped on it. All the TV networks jumped on it. And it was everywhere that you went. It infected you. And it is, it's a wonderful piece of music. As I say, I'm no opera fan and never have been in my life and I can't foresee myself even in the future, even a mellow even further going that far. But this is a really, really important piece of music in the football world because it, it was the modernization of football. I see that World Cup very much as, as the modernization. And this was this was the music that transcended it. Yeah, it feels like the, the music that kind of really connected you with the fact that the the tournament was in Italy, and it just it just felt that way. It, it like you said, it's just so emotional, it's so passionate, and it's got to be said that the BBC did an absolute masterpiece using this and editing it and the way that it was all synced together for their titles. How many it montages just... did they make, Andy, with that? It was, oh, it was the music uh, of montages. Uh, it was the music of... It was genius of the time. It was. It still is. I think to this day, it's one of those that stands out that, yeah, you've got your eureka moments and, and hell, this is one of them. It, it certainly is. I mean, kudos to whoever it was that came up with it at the BBC, but... This just, it's, 
like you say, you know, you would never normally put opera and football together. And certainly at that time, because you've got to think back 1990, it was football was a, such a different thing. You know, there wasn't the era of the Premier League. It wasn't the era of uh, corporate visitors and people coming over from the, the other side the bridge, of the world. Andy, this was the bridge. This was, this was the gap yeah. was being bridged with yes. this World Cup. And I always yeah. maintain that. Uh, this that was it. It was it was still seen as the the working the you know the working man sport. It was working class. It was very much like that. So the people who were going to football matches in in the UK absolutely were not listening to opera music, and the people who were listening to opera music were not going to football matches. And so you would never ever have put the two together, but it just it just happened and it just worked. And there was something about that passion, that intensity. That everything that it just that that whole emotion it just mirrored and it just merged into what what you saw Italy as being you know they're the national team and you, the images of um, of the eighty two World Cup you know coming away the the celebration everything and it just it it's just such a a brilliant brilliant moment you know to to get that together and to make it work like that. And the music went with it, and I and I dare say, Luciano Pavarotti um, <laughs> made it made a good few million out of uh, out of whoever idea it was to do this. Indeed, and and you know, there's there's a particular montage. I think the BBC did it, and I think it was whenever um, Italy were beaten in the semi final, and and there was a moment where Scalacci fell to his knees with with his hands as if to pray, and and. It was the very, very end, and it was Nessun Dorm over the top, and it was the end of the show where Italy had gone out, and you know, with Scalacci's eyes, because it was all about you know those fucking mad eyes that that guy had. He was he was a madman. He looked like a madman, you know, a Sicilian with with the yeah, crazy eyes. Yeah, and he was he looked like a madman, and at the end, you know, those eyes were just just, just saddened, and that was meant to be Viali's World Cup, and Scalacci sort of stole the ball on him on that one. Yeah, because nobody nobody. Over here, had heard of Scalacci. You know, this was a time when nobody really Half followed. Italy hadn't heard Syria. from him either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was it. It was a relative unknown. Bang, burst onto the scene, and and that was it. That was the time you wanted to be a superstar. You want to announce yourself on the world stage. The World Cup was a place to do it. And boy, did he ever do it! And that—that's it. That I hear this music, I think of that World Cup, and I think of Toto's Kilachi celebrating. Oh, it needs to be noted as well. He did fuck all after it. <laughs> <laughs> he was one made, of those El Hadjouf World Cup this. players, you know what I mean? <laughs> Minus the spitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's it is a bit special, though, isn't it? Uh, it? It's just that World Cup. There's so much about, like the football in that World Cup was magnificent. They married this music into it. Um, you know, it was just the time for Italy. Italy were just about to explode. That golden era of, of Serie A where all the best players, all the elite players in the world played for Italian teams. Um, not in the Real Madrid sense where they were all bunched together. They were scattered out all over the place, all over Italy. And, you know, I know you're a big fan of it as well, the Channel 4 stuff that used to go out there on a Sunday, Andy. We were glued to that because you were seeing the best of the best. And, and had it not been for Italian 90... I don't think that Gazetta Italia would ever have happened. Now, Gaza moving there, obviously, was was big news of the time. But And then I think David Platt moved as well in the back of this World Cup. But you know what I mean? It was that time where, where Italy were just hoovering up the, the the best of the best, the elite players, and, and the rest. And, and it was just a joy to watch. It was actually at that World Cup, yeah, where Gaza really sort of made his name on the, on the world stage. And it was the year later where he was, uh, he was due to go. 
So it was, who, who yeah. Who put it, you out it, of that one, Andy? It's, sorry, it's a question we always keep asking. <laughs> who, put was, sorry. who put you out of 90? Remind me. Not that I need reminded, just putting you through the, <laughs> putting you through the ringer. Who, who put you out? Remind me. Well, who else put us? Who else put England out? Of course, it was. Uh, well, at the time, it was West Germany, and, and of course, how did it they do it? Penalty shoot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, just, just need to get that in. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was the tournament of as well of uh, Gaza crying. Like, another one of them iconic moments. Yeah, and the Bobby Robson thing. You know, that was that was the closest I ever got. I think to being being bought into England. Um, you know, Venables. I enjoyed the Venables '96 adventure. To be honest with you, as 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 a neutral, I enjoyed that. And you know, we talked about the three lions thing, and, and you know, the football coming home thing. That tournament, I enjoyed. Um, I, I wouldn't begrudge England that in the slightest. But I thought under Robson, who is a man who, God rest his soul, I have a massive respect for in football. I think it was. I think he's possibly one of your your top three managers ever that England ever had, Andy. Yeah. I d- I would echo that as well. Yeah, great manager, a great man, you know, very humble. And, you know, he's, again, he went outside of the bubble. Uh, he was he was tre- dreadfully by the, the uh, English press, as, it, as is the way, you know, build them up, knock them down, uh, and then love them after they've gone. But, yeah, he went and made, you know, made his career elsewhere. As You know, he won at PSV, he went over to Barcelona, you know, he... He showed that he was more than just uh, an England manager or an English manager. You know, he added so much more, and there was just a warmth about him. There was, you know, and it's so many people throughout the game have got such amount, such tremendous respect from him, including, you know, a certain certain guy that played for him at uh, Barcelona who went on to become uh, an absolute world superstar, who was uh, Ronaldo. And, and still would speak about him. Um, I've seen a couple of interviews down here, and, and he would always cite Robson here and there. Um, it's amazing how we've gone from Pavarotti to Bobby Robson. Andy, like we don't, <laughs> we don't do tangents, but when, but when we do, my God, we yeah. do tangents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't recall Bobby Robson ever singing uh, Ness and Dorma, but not, yeah, not, so that good Northern accent. I'd, I'd have been a fine man for the job, Andy. <laughs> 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 yeah, so from from Italian ninety, you know Pavarotti and, and the three tenors, the the rest of you know all of them in there. Yeah, they, they must have made some money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the three the three tenors made more than more than thirty quid out of uh, <laughs> out of whoever's decision it was. So. Not the three tenors, the three multimillionaires. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, it's um, yeah, it's just an iconic. An iconic piece of, a piece of music that that um, merges so beautifully and so perfectly into uh, an, an iconic tournament. So, uh, what better way to go? So that's it. Yeah, that's uh, that's our in my life. Uh, our football songs. You've heard mine. You've heard Dave's. Um, hey, if you don't like them. You don't agree with our choices. Well, it's tough to because they're already done anyway. But uh, feel free to get in touch with us through uh, through WFI. And um, yeah, what better way to go out than with Ness and Dormer? <laughs>